How's everybody doing? It is great to see you. Let's all wave to our live streamers and to those who are upstairs. It's great to have you join us as well. Happy Sunday to all of you. All right, before we kind of get started, I got a couple things before the sermon. First of all, uh, I mentioned several weeks ago that we have brought on a summer intern onto the staff uh, just to kind of show them what it's like to, to work on a church staff, what it's like to be a pastor and to plug into different uh, parts of ministry. And uh, his name is Mr. Noah Meisner. So let's welcome Mr. Noah Meisner onto the stage right now. <clears throat> Noah is going to Bethel College up in Minnesota. And he's, uh, when he's done, or actually right now, he's got more training and higher education than I do. So I'm very intimidated right now. But uh, he is uh, studying to be a pastor, and uh, next week he has got an adult class he's going to teach during second service, so everyone sign up for the class, go in there, give him a good evaluation, see how he does, and, uh, but it's going to be good training. We're putting him through the rigors this, this summer, and so he's teaching adult class, and he's going to preach to us in, in August. So give it up for Mr. Noah. If you see him in the hallway, give him a slap on the back. Thanks, Noah. Next, uh, we have been talking about uh, our connection to Malawi, Africa, and uh, because of COVID and all the, the years surrounding that, after that, uh, hold on one second, Phil, we'll do that later. Um, because of the, the COVID years and all that, we haven't sent teams over there in, in several years. Well, this year, we're going to actually be sending a team, but it's a one-man team, and he's the bionic man, Mr. Steve Starkey, come on up here, Steve. And uh, he is leaving Tuesday, so uh, we would be, you know, it's just typical Whitestone fashion. Why don't we get up from our seats? Let's gather. Why don't you stay in there, Steve? Let's gather around him and let's send him off as God uses him there in the heart of Africa to minister to the people there. So just scoot in if you want. Put your hands in front of the person in front of you, and let's, let's pray together, okay? Lord Jesus, uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for the relationship we have with uh, the men and women, brothers and sisters in Malawi. Thank you that we get to be able to serve them and they get to serve us, God. What a great relationship. God, I pray that as Steve leaves on Tuesday that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, that he would go forth in the power of God, that you would use him to mightily speak and preach as he's ministering to the people there. God, I pray that uh, he would be a blessing to those he ministers to and may he emanate Jesus in his words and his actions and uh, may your kingdom come and your will be done on this trip as it would be in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Try to find your original seat. <clears throat> All right, everyone. We are on week five of our Family Sunday series where we have been talking about some not-so-famous people of the Bible. Uh, if you need a Bible this morning, please raise your hand. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. The ushers will get that to you. And quickly, let's review. First week was Jabez. Second week was a, a little boy king named Josiah. And then uh, the third week was uh, Bezalel. And Kirk talked about that. And last week, well, before we do last week, uh, let's do the quiz to see if you remember what we talked about last week. I got a few more questions this week, so we'll... Uh, Open it up to more people. This section right here, primarily I want to pick on kids, but if the kids can't get it, we will move, resort to adults. 
All right, first section, our first uh, question. What was the name of the not-so-famous people of the Bible for last week? Anybody? Raise your hands. You can listen to Dad. He's cheating, but it's not on you. Yeah, they don't have, they didn't, the Bible doesn't give us their names. They were just servants, nameless servants. Okay, this section right here, why was a little girl from Israel a servant in a foreign pagan land? I think that was correct. I don't know. He was taken. Okay, good, good. All right. It's because raiders came in, kidnapped him, and took her back to their, their land, sold her into slavery. Okay, next question. What did the king of Israel do when Naaman came and asked to be healed? Any kids here? Raise your hands. What did he do? This section right here. What? What did, he, what did he say? Wrote a, letter. wrote a letter. Yeah. The king in, uh, uh, well, I can't remember the name, Syria, wrote a letter, but what did the king of Israel do when he read the letter? Anybody remember? It involved clothing. <laughs> He's like, clothing? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Come on, you guys. Right on the front there. Young lady. What did... Tore his clothes. Good job, honey. Well done. All right. She wasn't even here last week, and she got the credit. All right. This section right here. True or false? 50% chance you'll get this, kids. All right. When Naaman showed up at Elisha's door, Elisha came out to speak to him. Young lady, true or false? False. Why? He sent a servant. Good job. Well done. All right, open to everybody here. What did Elisha the prophet tell Naaman to do for his leprosy to be healed? Young lady right there. You, yep. Dunk himself seven times in the Jordan River. Here, you have some friends there, sure. There you go. All right, who convinced Naaman to go dunk in the river Jordan seven times? His servants. Well done. Good job. All right. Do we have one more? Yep. Who got all the glory for the healing? Hmm. In duet form. Here you go. There's one for you. There you go. Good job. God did. Exactly. All right. You get three pieces of candy if you answer this question. Okay? Here we go. God can use you to impact blank, blank, and blank. So be bold. You didn't see a hand there, George, but I will give you three pieces of candy. Anyone, anywhere, and anytime, be bold. Good job. All right. Got to get rid of some candy here. So in the front. Ooh, there you go. All right, heads up. Heads up. Last week, I was thrown, and I hit a little baby. Don't judge me. I, it's a hard job doing this, but she was fine. All right, way in the back. Middle. Way in the back over there, are you guys looking at me? Guard your babies. Middle. Frontier. 
All right, in the back there. Heads up. Middle. Middle. Heads up. And front. All right, in the back. Middle. These are boxes. They come a little fast and hard and heavy. And the front. All right, good job. All right, well done, guys. Good job. Okay, last week, we didn't even have a name for the hero of the story. All we knew is that they were nameless servants. Well, if you thought that was bad, guess what? This week, we don't even have a person. Guess what we have? An animal, a donkey. May I introduce to you Mabel and Ruth, right here. This is Mabel and Ruth. These are donkeys of my friend Tim Cargill. Uh, He owns these, these donkeys. And look at that. She got some, I think, some senior pictures with her donkey friends. And how many guys would want to have a donkey? All right. How many of you guys have a donkey? Raise your hand. All right. Shauna wants me to get a donkey at some point. I don't know if I will or not, but we'll see. <laughs> so anyways, that, uh, the hero of our story today is a donkey, and we will get to the donkey in the story in just a bit, but right now we have to back up and talk about some other people in the story. Okay, now I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. Any any of you guys play high school sports and your number was number 22 in high school? Back there you were? All right. And over there, anybody else? There, all right. Is that true or you just knew I was going to throw candy? (laughs) Here you go. Number 22. Way in the back, raise your hand again so I can see where to aim. Nice, she's still, all right, over there, here we go. Whoop, <laughs> a lot of non, non-22s got candy there. All right, let's set up the story here, uh, the background here. As you guys remember, do you remember when the Israelites left the nation of Egypt? They were held in captivity there, and God rescued them and brought them out. Well, they were moving around through the wilderness, and they were coming to a spot where the king of Sihon, Sion, uh, they were coming into his territory. And so they sent word to King Sion, like, listen, will you let us just pass through your land? We will not veer to the left or to the right. We will not take anything from your vineyards or your fields. We just want to pass through. And King Sion is like, no way. You're not going to pass through our land. And he got all of his armies, and they went down, and they attacked the Israelites and tried to wipe them out. And guess what happened? They got whooped. King Sion and all of his armies got whooped. And the crazy thing is, guys, is that King Sion and the armies there, they were giants. They were descendants of the Nephilim. So these Israelites, they they whooped up on this giant army. Now, imagine if the Israelites, they beat all these giant armies, needless to say, when they won, all the nations surrounding there were terrified of Israel. They were like, my word, how can we beat these guys if they can whoop up on these giants? They did not know how to conquer the Israelites because they knew that their God was way more powerful and way too great to be able to do so. So there was this guy by the name of Balak. 
And Balak came up with an idea, and he thought, what if we put a curse on these people? What if we curse them? Then they would be weakened, and then we might have a chance to wipe them out. So he decided to talk to a guy by the name of Balaam. Okay? So Balaam, they're like, hey, let's talk to this Balaam guy. Balaam was a prophet. Okay? Everybody know what a prophet is? Prophet is someone who talks to God, talks to the unseen realm, and hears back from them. Now, we don't know really much about Balaam, but we know that he was a prophet, and apparently people came to him to be able to hear what God wanted. But when you think of Balaam, please do not think that he was a godly prophet. He was not. He, was a, he, was, he wasn't even an Israelite prophet. He was a Gentile prophet who had, must have had a relationship with the God of Israel. One way you could look at Balaam was that he was not a false prophet, but he was a wicked prophet. Okay? He wasn't a false prophet, and the fact that he actually did hear from God, God gave him prophecies to speak, but he was a wicked prophet in that he did not obey or follow God, and he eventually led the people of God astray. It's a sad story. In fact, as we get into the story of Balaam, I want, you, I want to show you a verse in the New Testament that kind of tells us what kind of guy Balaam was. And this will help us understand Balaam, um, why he's doing what he's doing in this story. And we can kind of filter him through this statement. Here's the verse in 2 Peter. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of of wickedness. So tell me, what did Balaam love? The wages of wickedness. Okay? Remember that. Burn that into your mind. That's what Balaam was like. What did Balaam love? Wages of wickedness. Okay? All right, back to the story. Now remember, Balak wants to place a curse on the Israelites. So Balak is thinking, if anybody could put a curse on the Israelites, it would be this Balaam guy. So Balak sends a group of people to Balaam to ask him to curse the Israelites. It says in verse 7, The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. So these guys head out from, from Balak, and they go, go to Balaam, and they bring a divination fee. That's the, the money that they felt like they would pay him to be able to do this whole cursing. Okay, I don't know what, they, what the regular charge or fee for, for a curse was, but they brought some money to pay that. Okay? And they tell Balaam exactly what Balak wants him to do. Now Balaam, does, at this point, doesn't give them an answer. Instead he says, why don't you spend the night here? I will go and ask God if there is something I can do or not. I'll get back to you tomorrow. So they stay the night and he goes and he meets with God. Verse 10, Balaam said to God, okay, so Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. Balaam tells God what he's being asked to do and God very clearly, very directly, and very plainly says, no way. You are not allowed to do that. These people are blessed. You are not allowed to curse them. Do not go with these men. So Balaam goes back to these people and he says, verse 13, the next morning Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, he says, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused me to let me go with you. 
Now, I may be reading into this, but the way Balaam talked to them seems almost like you can read between the lines on this. It's almost like he's saying, I'm sorry, guys. I'd really like to do this, kind of eyeing the money, but God won't let me. God's being kind of a party pooper here and won't let me do this. Now, like I said, I may be reading into this, but it appears like Balaam is leaving the chance open that maybe if there was more money involved, he might be convinced of actually doing it. So the men all leave, and they head back home, and they tell Balak what happened. And Balak is like, hmm, okay, Balaam wants to play hardball. Well, let's see how this works. And he ups the ante. He will not take no for an answer. He really needs Balaam to do this for him, so he decides to send more people, and not just more people, more important people, more famous people. So it says, then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come, put a curse on these people for me. So Balak decides to send some really famous people toward Balaam. I don't know, people like, like maybe say Tom Cruise or Taylor Swift. I'm like, you go down there and convince this guy to do it. And so they head on down there to talk to him. And not only that, Balak sends the message, listen, let's not let anything, and I mean anything, keep you from coming, okay? I know I only sent a divination fee last time with my people. That was crazy of me. No, no, trust me, I will give you a lot of money if you come and do this, a lot of money. Now, at hearing this, I think Balaam was like this. <laughs> I think he was like, oh my word, this is the payday I've been waiting for my whole life. This is it. But he also knows that God has forbidden him to go and do this. He's not allowed to go and curse the Israelites. It's very clear. God could not have been any clearer. So he gives the right answer back. Look at what he says in verse 18. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Balaam gives the right answer. And I mean, that answer sounds awesome, but I don't think that answer came from his heart. It simply came from his head. His heart was longing for something else. Now, it would be easier to sit here and just judge Balaam, but we can't because we tend to do the very same thing sometimes, don't we? How many times in our life do we put on a good show with our words and in our hearts we're thinking about something completely different? Many times the words we speak do not line up with the feelings in our heart. It's funny, so often as Christians we like to talk about how evil the world is and how could the world do this and yet we'll sit and watch movies and TV in our own household and allow that evil in. We will often say, you know, this person who really hurt me deeply, I just pray for them every day and I just want to bless them. But in our hearts, we want to smash them. So many times, our words do not line up with our heart. And often, most often, what is in our heart will play out in our actions. And we're going to see that play out in Balaam's actions today. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Luke, why do you think that about Balaam? You're being a little harsh on him. What makes you think that his heart is bad here? Well, let me explain. And let me explain by asking you some questions, and I want you to answer these questions out loud, okay? First question, did Balaam ask God if he could curse the Israelites? 
Yes, okay. What was God's answer? No, he was not allowed to. So tell me, what was the command of God to Balaam? Do not curse the Israelites. So did Balaam clearly know that? Yes. Verse 18, we even look at that verse. It seems very clear that he knows that because even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I couldn't do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord. Yes, he knew that. Because, because Balaam knew that command, he realized that that was the restriction, restriction God had given him. Nothing was supposed to sway him. And so Balaam says that, and it appears that Balaam means that, or at least those are the words he's saying. But look at what he says next, and tell me what you think. Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now, spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. Do you see that? Why would he say that? Why does Balaam think God has suddenly changed his mind? Were the Israelites suddenly not blessed? Tell me, second service, what has changed here? Nothing. Nothing has changed. And yet Balaam, seeing the dollar signs, goes, you know what? Why don't you guys spend the night here? I'll go ahead and see what else God might have to say. In other words, maybe, just maybe, there's a workaround here that I can come up with. Maybe God will change his mind. Let me go talk to God again. But why? Why does he need to talk to God again? He already knows what God has said. He already knows the answer. It would be a wicked thing for him to go, you know, with these men and curse the people of God. Extremely wicked. He'd be flat out disobeying God. So why does he need to go talk to God again about this? Well, before you get all judgy on Balaam, have you ever noticed how we do the same thing? God has made it clear to us to not move in a certain direction. He has clearly told us and showed us and explained to us, do not make this decision. But for whatever reason, we really, really want to do it. So we keep trying to create a workaround. We often entertain sin trying to keep a space where we can, create a space where we can justify it. And so we take our little sin, we're like, just spend the night tonight, okay? Just tonight, and we'll see what happens, okay? Just, you're my little sin. We'll just protect it, okay? Just tonight, just stay tonight. But why? Why do we need to talk to God about it? We already know his answer. It's like we try to make deals with God. We try to twist God's word and be able to get our way. Now, parents, you, you know, this, kids are good at this, aren't they? I remember my youngest, Max, he would say, hey, Dad, can I have some fruit chews? And I'm like, sure, honey. So he'd go to the box, and he'd, bring, he'd get five fruit chews. And he'd walk to me and go, Dad, can I have five? I'm like, no, you can't have five. Knowing ahead of time, he'd go, well, can I just have two then? And I'm like, sure, that's fine. Two is, two is good. You can he knew that five would like, woo, but if you want two, that's fine. And that way, he would get two every time. He's a smart little sucker. That's basically what I think Balaam is trying to do. He really wants the money, but he knows God doesn't want him to do this, but maybe there's something he can do. So he's going to go to God again, again, just to see what God might say. Now, let me ask you guys something. When God tells us no, but we desperately want to do it anyways, 
and we in our foolish ignorance just so want to go ahead and do it, what does God often do? He lets us, doesn't he? God often allows us to do destructive things because of our hard hearts. He basically lets us dig our own grave. You know, in Romans it says, therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 26, because of this God gave them over to their shameful lust. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what they ought not, what ought not to be done. God gave them over. God is like, okay, you want to go against my decrees? You want to go against how I have designed life to be? You want to do your own thing? Okay, go right ahead. But it will lead to your destruction. If you want to disobey me that bad, I will let you. But you will be responsible for the outcome. Guys, when we, if we want to be the ones driving the train, then I'll tell you what, we need to understand that we are the ones responsible for the train wreck. And I feel like our nation is facing this in our current days. This nation is facing a huge train wreck in the near future. This nation has turned its back on God. The people of this nation have decided to just go against God and do whatever they want to do, and I believe that God has turned them over to their own lusts and depravity. And God is like, okay, if that's what you want, dig your own grave. You are responsible for the train wreck. And you know what? As I've often said, Christians are part of the problem. The church has not been living like Jesus. The church has so become like the world that you often can't tell them apart from the world. And the nation is paying a deep price for it. God often does that. And we're going to see that he's about to do it with Balaam. So let's keep going in the story. Balaam comes to God again. is like, yeah, the guys are back and they really want me to curse the Israelites. I don't know what the problem is, but they just really want me to go with them and do this. So I don't know. What are you thinking about this, God? Verse 20, that night, that night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. See what I said? When we want to go against God and do our own thing and disobey him, often he will let us do it. He will turn us over to our own desires. And we see God doing that very thing here with Balaam. God had told him no. No, you must not go with these men and curse the Israelites. I don't care how much money they offer you, you will not do it. Do not go with these men. Balaam knows in his heart that that's what God wants. And yet he comes back to him and is like, so what do you think? Can I? Can I? Can I still do it even though you don't want me to? The wages of wickedness are so blinding to him that he ignores the commands of God. You know, sometimes money and riches can blind us from the will of God. And Balaam is blinded. All he sees is dollar signs, and he can't think about anything else. So God basically says, okay, Balaam, you can go with them. And I can imagine Balaam going, yes, that's awesome. But only say what I tell you. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, it sounds like God has changed his mind, maybe. Because now he's commanding Balaam to go. And I don't believe so. God is not one who just changes his mind back and forth willy-nilly. 
He has stated his will to Balaam, and Balaam has still come to him again, asking him again, hoping that God might change his mind. And so God, as we talked about before, gave Balaam over to the lust of his heart. He will be responsible for his own train wreck. It's a little bit like this. You remember when Judas, what did Judas do to Jesus? He betrayed him for how much? 30 pieces of silver. He was so greedy that he decides he's going to betray Jesus and get 30 pieces of silver for it. So at the Passover meal, Jesus turns to Judas and he says, what you are about to do, go now and do quickly. Was that Jesus commanding Judas to go do it? No. Was that Jesus giving him permission to go do it? No. That was Jesus saying, you've already decided in your heart to do this, this wicked, evil thing. So go, get it done with. That's essentially what God is saying to Balaam. You want this so bad, you're lusting after the riches of wickedness, so go ahead, go. Now once again, I'm reading into the story here, but I don't think, I don't think Balaam slept all night. I bet he was so excited. He's gonna be getting a huge payout for this, this gig, and he, he's excited. And no, notice how excited it was. Verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. It's like, boy, talk about Johnny on the spot, Mr. Balaam. I mean, you didn't even say, God, are you sure? You, you told me you didn't want me to. Now you're changing your mind. What's going on here? Why? No, there's no arguments for God. He's just like, all right, settle the donkey. Let's go. And servants, you follow me while I ride with these important people on my little donkey. Okay? Now, does anybody notice something here? Who just showed up on the scene? Our hero of the story, our donkey. Okay, finally the hero of our story gets mentioned. Balaam saddles the donkey and starts heading off with the Moabite officials, the big wigs, the important people. Remember the Tom Cruises and the, the Taylor Swifts of, of, of the Moab nation. And I'm, I can picture him just, just tootsing along going, hey, how you doing, Tom Cruise? Yeah, I'm, I'm important too. Look at my two servants behind me walking. I'm riding my little donkey. And he's cruising along with his head, feeling pretty good. But there's someone who is not happy that he's doing this. You see, even though God gave him permission to go, God is not happy that he's going. And I can remember, you know, in, in, my, in my senior year uh, at graduation, we had a graduation party, and there was going to be a dance at that party. And I grew up, you know, in uh, the setting where you just, you did not dance. Dancing was horrible, it was wicked, it was sin, and so it was something we just, we just never did. But I really wanted to go to this graduation party because all my friends were going to go there and it was graduation. It might be the last time I see my friends. And so I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, is it okay if I go to this graduation party? And there's going to be dancing there and all sorts of stuff, but can I go to that? And he goes, Luke, I'm leaving it up to you. You make the decision. I'm like, all right, sweet daddy, I'm going. Now, even though dad gave me the permission, he was not happy. He was ticked that I decided to go yes. So I can see what God is feeling here. He's ticked that, he, that, that Balaam's just moving ahead. He's not happy. So look at what happens. Verse 22, but God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Okay? Now, that angel of the Lord, just so you know when you see that, that phrase, it's actually... Scholars believe it's the Lord himself. It's the angel of the Lord. It is God himself taking shape, and he, he's not happy. And in his anger towards Balaam, he stands in the path to oppose him. Okay, It's almost like God wanted Balaam to think about what he was doing. 
Almost like God wanted to give Balaam pause. It was like he was trying to get Balaam to rethink his decision and quit what he was doing. And you know, I love that about God. God doesn't make the way all just sweet daddy smooth for those who are choosing to disobey him. He doesn't like grease their wheels. No, he puts roadblocks all along the way. And it's our choice whether we're going to pay attention to them or run right through them. And this is an act of mercy from God. It's not God being a jerk. It's God being loving. And he gives us every opportunity to stop what we're doing. Here's a roadblock. Stop. Oh, you're going to run right through that? All right, here's another roadblock. Stop. Oh, you're going to run through that one too? Here's another roadblock. Stop. And we just often just keep running right through it, choosing unwisely like Balaam. And so Balaam, he's cruising along with these Moabite officials, and suddenly the angel of the Lord stands in his way. Verse 23, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field, and Balaam beat it to get back on the road. So here's Balaam riding his donkey, and all of a sudden, in the road is the angel of the Lord, and he's got his sword drawn. He's ready to go. And the donkey sees this angel, okay? So Balaam's, you know, trying to talk it up big with Tom Cruise, and he's riding his little donkey along, and all of a sudden the donkey sees the thing and starts riding off into the field and runs away. And I can imagine Balaam going, I got this, Tom, I got this, and he starts beating his donkey. Get back, get back there, what are you doing? You're making me look like an idiot. He finally gets back on the road, okay? Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. So the angel of the Lord goes, all right, here comes a sweet spot. There's a vineyard here and there's some walls. I'm going to stand there and see what, this, see what Balaam does. And he's got the sword drawn. He's ready to go. And the donkey's like, you know, and he's like, oh, my word. There's really not any space to go, so he tries to go up close to the wall to get past this angel, and he smashes Balaam's foot, and he's like, ah, ah, you stupid donkey. He starts beating this donkey again. And Tom Cruise is like, dude, what's going on with that guy over there? He's like looking like crazy. And he's all embarrassed, okay? Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with his staff. Just beat it. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the part of the story that ticks me off. If you had fond feelings for Balaam earlier, you sure don't now. He sounds like an angry man, and he treats his animal terribly here. He just beat and beat and beat this poor little donkey. And let me tell you, God does not like that either. Did you know that God expects us to treat our animals well? It's a terrible thing to hurt your animals. God considers it a righteous thing to be kind to your animals. Look at what it says in Proverbs 12. It says the righteous care for the needs of their animals. It's true. Take care of your animals. It's a righteous thing to do. Now, very quickly, because we're running out of time, I want to point something out to you. Notice these verses. I'm just going to read through them quickly. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, verse 23, verse 24, or 25, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall. 
Verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. Who keeps seeing the angel of the Lord? The donkey does. This simple, gentle beast of the burden is, is the one who keeps seeing the angel of the Lord. The donkey sees it. But tell me, second service, what is Balaam? What does he do for a living? He's a prophet. He's a seer. What is he supposed to be good at? Seeing the unseen realm, right? He's the one who's supposed to be able to see into the unseen realm. He's the one that's supposed to hear from the unseen realm. I mean, a prophet is supposed to be, have great vision into the unseen realm. That's what a prophet does. Tell me, second service, if anyone should be seeing the angel, who should it be? The prophet or the donkey? The prophet, right? And yet the prophet is blind. And the donkey is the one with true vision. Balaam couldn't see the angel because all he could see was what? Money. The riches of wickedness had blinded him and he saw nothing else. But his donkey saw everything. You know, sometimes we only see what we want to see. And we're blinded from what God wants us to see. Riches can do that. Fame can do that. Power can do that. Whatever it might be. Sometimes we're so focused on these things that we fail, fail to see what the Lord has put right in front of us. Let's try to make sure that does not happen to us. Let's not be blinded. It can lead to our destruction. Now here's where the story gets good, children. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? The donkey speaks to Balaam. Isn't that awesome? Has anybody here heard an animal speak to them? Does anybody have parrots? We had parrots in Columbia where uh, they would sing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. They'd only sing that phrase. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> then the two pairs, one would go, tickle, 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 tickle. And the other one would go, stop that. Back and forth. It's it funny. I've actually heard a dog talk before. Uh, Tammy Frazier had this little dog where she'd go, who loves you? And the, the dog would go, I love you. I love you. <laughs> but this donkey, I mean, she flat out talks. Talk about the story getting crazy here. I mean, this donkey just lets loose on Balaam and asks him straight up, listen, bro, what is your problem? What have I ever, ever done to you that makes you feel like it's necessary to beat me? And I've always wondered what that sounded like. Like, did it have a British accent or like a Mexican accent or something like Or was it like, you know, why would you do that? You know, I don't know. But this is where the story gets really crazy. Verse 29, Balaam answered the donkey. You've made a fool out of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey talks to Balaam, I mean talks to Balaam, and what does Balaam do? He answers the donkey. It's like it doesn't even phase him. I'm sorry, but if I'm getting ticked off at my chickens and I kick one of my chickens and the chicken turned around me and says, what was that for, Mr. Farmer Luke? I lay an egg for you every single day. Why do you have to kick me? I would be like, 
did you just talk to me, chicken? You did not just talk to me. And there's going to be, oh, yes, I did. I'd be like, dude, I'm going crazy. What is going on here? But Balaam is just acting like this is your everyday thing. I'll tell you why I'm beating you. You've made a fool out of me in front of Tom Cruise over here. And Taylor Swift, if only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. I mean, Balaam is feeling like such an idiot in front of these people that he's raging with anger, and he wishes that he had a sword to kill his, thon- his donkey. And I always thought it'd be cool if the donkey goes, oh, speaking of swords, there's one three inches from your neck right now, and you can't even see it. Angel, why don't you give him your sword? You know, imagine, I mean, there's a sword really close to him, and he doesn't even know it. But the donkey doesn't say that. She simply answered, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And Balaam goes, no. And I love the logic of the donkey. Balaam, you've chosen to ride me for years. Have I ever done this to you before? Why are you beating me? Instead, why don't you use your brains, Balaam, and ask the question, why is my faithful donkey acting so weird right now? There must be a reason that I can't see. But no, you just beat me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, now you want to kill me. Yeah, you're not the brightest prophet there is in the world. And then suddenly God opens Balaam's eyes. And it says that he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And so he bowed low and fell face down. Balaam suddenly goes, oh my word. That's why the donkey was doing that and fell face down. Verse 32, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. And let me tell you something, if it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Suddenly the prophet, the one who's supposed to see into the spiritual realm, suddenly he finally sees into the spiritual realm and he sees the angel of the Lord. Suddenly he sees why the donkey is doing what he's doing. And the angel doesn't pull any punches. He basically says, listen, you're lucky you have this donkey. Because if she hadn't run away, I would have killed you and let her live. Stop beating her. She saved your life. Verse 34, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you're displeased, I will go back. Now, we don't have time to finish the whole of the story. There's a lot more to it, but I'm gonna stop here and I wanna, in a little bit, I wanna talk about what we can learn from the donkey. But before we do, let me ask you something. Do you think, looking at this verse, do you think Balaam learned his lesson? No. I certainly do not think so because of that last statement. He's like, whoa, I have sinned. I didn't even see you. I had no idea you were gonna kill me. I had no idea that the donkey was saving my life. Now, if you're displeased with me, I'll go back then. I'm not sure Balaam is the sharpest knife in the drawer here. I mean, seriously, why would he say that? What gives it away that the Lord is displeased with you? The fact that he has a sword and he's gonna cut your head off or that he has threatened to kill you? I mean, hello, Balaam, turn back. You don't have to say, are you displeased with me? 
Even the threat of death doesn't make him turn away and go back. And you know what, guys? That's the danger with temptation of sin. Greed can cause us to blindly run through the most obvious roadblocks that God himself has set up for us. Don't ignore the roadblocks. Don't do it. Don't be like Balaam. All right, very quickly, let's learn from this donkey. She's the hero of our story. And here's what I want us to see. In this story, the donkey was the only thing blocking or protecting Balaam from instant destruction. And yet it was the donkey Balaam was cursing and beating up. You know what? That is often the case with us. Sometimes out of his love for us, God will put roadblocks in our way. He will put people in our lives to block us from making horrible decisions. He will put experiences in our lives to block us from horrible decisions. He will put us in certain scenarios in our lives to protect us from destruction. And yet, we see that protection as a nuisance. We see it as a problem that we need to get rid of. We keep seeing these experiences as something that, man, we gotta get this out of our life. So we get mad at it, we get angry at it, and we try to get rid of the person. We ignore the person, we try to get rid of the situation, we try to eradicate whatever is in our way. We're here all along, it was the very thing protecting us. Rather than get angry at the roadblock, we need to thank God for putting it in our path to protect us. The donkey was being used as a servant of God. This donkey was just a simple, very unspectacular animal that honestly was incredibly sensitive to God's direction. The donkey was the only one in this story paying attention to God. But in doing so, she was the one that was preventing Balaam from getting what he wanted. And therefore, she received a horrible beating you know what, I see this happening all the time in people's lives. I see people out of their love for others, they try to step in the way and say, I'm here to protect you, you don't wanna do this, let me help you. And they, they try to prevent them, they try to be the roadblock, and they just get hammered and hammered and hammered and verbally abused and beaten down. They receive nothing but abuse. But guys, I wanna say, sometimes God may use us to protect others from destruction. And in the process, we may get pretty beaten up, but I want to encourage you, don't let that beating deter you. Keep protecting the people around you and trust God to be your protector. You may be the only protector in that person's life. And you never know when you may be actually protecting them from death. The donkey was that for Balaam. She literally protected him from death. And you may be that for someone else. I'm sorry this went so long, but I want to encourage you to read the rest of the story. There's so much more to the story. But hopefully today, you were, a, were able to learn from a donkey. She was the hero of our story today. And let me ask you a question. If God can use a donkey to accomplish his will, who else can he use? He can use us. So let's let him use us. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the story of this little donkey. I pray, God, that we might learn from Balaam's mistakes. 
May we learn from his just obvious only seeing what he wanted to get in his life. May we not be like that. May we not run through the roadblocks that you've set up in our life, but may we view them as your protection and your mercy upon us. May we have vision like this donkey and see that it is your hand upon us. God, I commit, commit all these people, young and old, into your hands. May you use them in a great and mighty way this, this week, and may they be a bright light in a very dark world. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, let it be so. Amen. Love you guys. Have an amazing week. And uh, we have any prayer? If anybody would like to be prayed for, we've got Nate and Jenny up here. They would love to do that. Maybe even what we talked about today. Maybe God has set some roadblocks up in your life and you need to know about this. So run up there for prayer.